Alleluia, the spirit of the Lord renews the face of the earth. Come, let us adore him. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today is Pentecost, one of my all-time favorite days of the year, and I'm wearing my red, and I see that a bunch of you are too. We wear red because it's the color associated with the Holy Spirit when she is fire, but Pentecost has been around for a long time. It just means the 50th day. First, it was a harvest festival, and then it was the celebration of the giving of the law to Moses 50 days after the Exodus. In the church, we remember the 50th day after Easter when God sent the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' followers who have been left alone after the ascension. And today, more than 2,000 years later, we celebrate the birth of our church in that decisive moment when the Holy Spirit came like violent wind and tongues of fire, filling those frightened disciples with the power to go out and do the work Jesus had given them to do. Healing and teaching, forgiving and preaching, feeding and spreading the good news. Years ago, years ago, when I was first becoming Christian and I was trying to justify my conversion to myself and to my many non-religious friends, I used to go around saying, I'm a Holy Spirit Christian. I mean, I love all of God, but the Holy Spirit is my favorite person of the Trinity. I realize now, of course, how silly that sounds. I was treating the Holy Spirit like my favorite team or band member. You know, like if I were collecting baseball cards of Team Trinity, I'd be psyched to get God the Father and God the Son, but I'd trade extras of them in a heartbeat for a Holy Trinity. I used to talk about God and the Holy Spirit the way Colts fans glory in their victories, tell tales of past years, but then go silent and in a wistful voice say, yeah, but Peyton Manning. Just as most people who love the Beatles have a favorite, usually Paul McCartney, let's be honest, I was the Christian who thought she could play favorites with the Godhead. And just like most people love Paul McCartney because he's soft and cuddly and free of scandal, I'm pretty sure I favored the Holy Spirit because she seems the least alarming of the Trinity. You see, in those days, I found God the Father a little intimidating. And some Christians had so co-opted the Son that I couldn't see him clearly. But God the Holy Spirit? Wow. I mean, Jesus promised us he would send the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and our advocate. God's Spirit would dwell among us so that we would not be left alone after Jesus ascended. That sounded pretty good to me. A Spirit to comfort me when things got tough. A sweet Holy Ghost 
to console me when I was sad. God's own spirit who would act as my advocate, my own lawyer before the Lord, should I mess up. Yep, the Holy Spirit was definitely my BFF, my fave of the Trinity. In other words, I had made the Holy Spirit my personal mascot. Well, God has laughed at my attempts to control the Holy Spirit because God can use whatever crazy beliefs or just plain wrong-headedness we have and turn it to good. So God let me have the Holy Spirit. Sure, God seemed to say, love the Holy Spirit, embrace the Holy Spirit. I'll make sure that she enters your life fully. And well, just as you may have experienced with the Holy Spirit whenever she shows up, my life has been turned upside down more than once by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Truth. Comfortable high school teacher suddenly called to the priesthood, Holy Spirit. Moving half a country away to go to seminary, Holy Spirit. Returning to the Midwest, but not to Chicago, but Indianapolis, All Saints? Definitely Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is a comforter, but the Holy Spirit is not comfortable. In fact, the Holy Spirit, I think, is the agent of change. The Holy Spirit disrupts, upsets, stirs things up, riles us up, forces us to do new things. In short, the Holy Spirit can be a pain in the tail. I mean, look at the Spirit in the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus' followers, men and women who had followed him and supported his ministry, gathered in the upper room praying, wondering what was next. During the 40 days after his resurrection, they had been consoled by the risen Jesus. Jesus then ascended, promised to send the Holy Spirit, but his followers have turned inward. They're gathered together, locked behind closed doors. Maybe some thought that the three years with Jesus had been like a dream, beautiful while it lasted, exciting to hope that God loved us enough to join our common lot, walk and live, love and heal, pray and forgive among us. But now it was over. And for some of them, I wonder if thoughts of returning to the fishing boats were starting to creep in. And it is just then, it is just then, just as they might be ready to give up hope, either to create their own comfortable, stable, but insulated community, or ready to go back to the comfort of their old lives, the way things were. It's just then that the Holy Spirit arrives. You know, that's where we are now. I mean, perhaps that's always where we are in our lives. 
it's always tempting to create a community that is comfortable and stable, tempting to do the things that we know best how to do. But things are changing here at church. They always are. New faces, new activities. Sometimes we bump up against one another. And I'm sure many of us are experiencing change in our own lives. New jobs, lost jobs, a child getting married, a grandchild born, the death of a loved one, an illness, relationships beginning, relationships ending. We can try to lock ourselves in a room together as they did in Acts, but the Spirit of God won't let us isolate ourselves or let us do things the way that we have always done them. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit stirs things up. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the same God who surprised old, old Abraham and Sarah with a pregnancy that births a nation. The Holy Spirit chooses a king from the youngest brother, not the oldest. The Holy Spirit picks a child as a prophet, nudges a stutterer like Moses into conversation with God and leading a people. God's Spirit chooses an unwed teenage mother to bear the Messiah, makes a Jewish peasant a savior, a savior, a servant, and that servant crucified. Too often, we humans think we know how God will act. If God is on our side, we think that we'll triumph, we'll be successful and happy, and we definitely will not be afraid or anxious. That's what we think. But that's not how it works. As former Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple wrote, when we pray, come Holy Ghost, our souls inspire, we had better know what we're about. He will not carry us to easy triumphs and gratifying successes. He may take us through loneliness, desertion by friends, apparent desertion even by God. If we invoke him, it must be to help us in doing God's will, not ours. The soul that is filled with the Spirit must have become purged of pride, of love, of ease. But that soul has found the only real dignity, the only real lasting joy. Come then, great spirit, come. Convict the world and convict my timid soul. You see, our God acts differently than we do. Success sometimes looks like failure. Death leads to new life. The worst sinners get forgiven. The first are last and the last are first. We don't get to be comfortable, but we do get a comforter. We don't always get peace and quiet or to stand still, stay the same or the safety of the known, but we do get the spirit of God to guide us. 
The Holy Spirit didn't come all those years ago so that the disciples could stay in their locked rooms, scared but safe, praying by themselves. The Holy Spirit came so that, like Jesus, they might pour themselves out for others, leaving the safety of one another to go out into the world, doing the work that Jesus had given them to do. They didn't know exactly how to do it. We don't know how exactly to do it. We don't know exactly how to heal and love, pray and teach, feed and forgive, but the Spirit kicked them and will kick us out into the world to do it and then guide us along the way. The Holy Spirit still moves, friends. She is still moving in the church and she is calling us out now and always to live beyond ourselves to take the same risks Jesus took in the world to heal to love to pray to teach to feed and forgive we'll screw it up sometimes we'll fail some of the time and that's okay our job is not to be successful always, but to be faithful always. And faith in our spirit-filled world is stepping outside of what is known, comfortable and easy, so that the Holy Spirit might breathe on us, bend us, use us, and light us on fire. Amen.